little three-part mini-series that I've put together calling, called Making the Most of Your Zoe Life. And remember, in, early on in John's Gospel, John introduces us to this concept of Zoe life, eternal, abundant, overflowing, life with a capital L. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, as we took a gap last week and we prayed for Wales, two weeks ago we were talking about God at work. What does it mean to have God's presence with us day by day? Whether we're in a salaried job like Hannah, whether we're uh, in a, a season of, of, of retirement and trying to live as actively as we can like, like Chris Evans and her dog walking, whether it's Richard Baxter in the medical profession, juggling a variety of medical jobs and also being in the community as well. Whether it's Nuri giving her gifts of music into lives of children and young people in, in, in the area. But uh, how do we make the most of the Zoe life that is in us? And this morning, the title that I've given, part two, Are You a Remainer? Are You a Remainer? Nothing to do with Brexit, you will be pleased to know. But I couldn't resist using that title, Are You a Remainer? And I hope by the end of the service, the answer to that is yes. This gives you a hint of where we want to go on that journey. But let's read together. Let me read to you from John 6, verse 56. John chapter 6 is a long chapter. We're going to jump into John chapter 15 in a while. But John chapter 6 is a good starting, good starting point. And I've just put up, I think, three key verses from the passage I'm going to read. If you want to turn to John 6, verse 56 onwards, uh, you can do so on your phone or on your Bible. Or whatever. I'm going to read it anyway. So John says these words from Jesus. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father so the one who feeds on me will live because of me this is the bread that came down from heaven your forefathers ate manna and died but he who feeds on this bread will live forever he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. There's that word Zoe again. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. They, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. A tragic verse, isn't it? From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of 
God. We were reading this in our Bible study a couple of weeks ago and talking about the bittersweet experience of that passage of disciples, not the 12, but some of the wider group walking away from Jesus because what he was saying was too hard to accept, too hard to understand, too hard to comprehend, too hard to live by. Yet at the same time, Simon Peter saying, well, we're, we're not going to go. We know you've got the words of eternal life. Where we, once, once we know that, where else is there to go? We can't walk away from you if you've given us that eternal life. And that lovely faith statement there from Peter, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So all that passage really is just to put us in that place to say that there is a reality in life that some people do not remain in Christ. Now we can debate all the theological things, were they ever in Christ to start with and what happens to them if they, if they don't remain, but that's not the issue today. But I'm guessing if you've been around in church any length of time, you all know the disappointment of friends, even family, who were once following Jesus but aren't doing so anymore. Anybody ever been on that journey of hurt with a friend, a family? Just me then, is it? Nobody else? Quite a few people. Yeah. Okay. It's tough, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard. And we know that some people, when difficulties come, sometimes difficulties for a certain type of person push us closer into the things of God. But sometimes difficulties for a certain person push them further away from God. We never know what it's going to be. And today really is a, it's a sermon that hopefully will, will flame-proof us from stepping away from God, from stepping away from fellowship, from beginning to be disillusioned and distanced from our faith. Because I don't think there's anything more sad than to see people who were once passionate for Jesus falling by the wayside and losing their way in life. I think about the youth group I was in when I was a young man, teenager, 30 of us or so. And I think there's me and one other guy in that group that are still going on with the Lord. I don't know why. I don't know why we are and everybody else isn't. But it's sad, isn't it? And we want to be people who are remainers. You know, I want to be here in 10 years' time, you know, when I'm being pushed around in my little bath chair. I want to hear stories of great stories of you all remaining in Christ. What's the key to thriving? What's the key to being fruitful? What's the key to living that type of life? Well, Jesus explains how to do this, and he does so in his, almost his final words to the disciples before he goes to the cross around the time of Passover when he's instituted the Lord's Supper, which is why we're going to use communion as a response to what we believe God is saying this morning. And so in John 15, it is where Jesus reads the words that we're going to be really focusing on today. 
Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In John 15, 4, key verse. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Old-fashioned word, abide. If you're used to reading in the King James Version, this is about, today we could say, are you an abider? We're talking about abiding in Christ. More understandable word for us, remaining. Remain in me, I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Good principle in scripture, if, it's a word is, if a word is mentioned a lot in a specific paragraph or passage, it's normally a word that's pretty important. And I forget, 11, 12 times in those few verses, Jesus uses this word, remain, abide. It's the Greek word meno, and it means to stay, to live, to dwell, to, be, to begin in a state that begins and it continues, it doesn't stop. What does abiding in Christ mean? What does remaining in Christ mean? It simply means to follow his example of a life surrendered and obedient to God, not just for a day or a year or a season or until retirement, but forever and confidently into eternity. It was a word that was often used in a military way to keep a position to maintain some territory that has been gained. So Romans would use it to talk about if they'd gained a piece of land, they would build a fort there and they would be told to abide, to remain there, to hold that as their territory at all costs. And that's the picture that Jesus is trying to paint about remaining in him. In other words, it's the attitude that says, this is my spot and I am not moving. That's what remaining in Christ means. There's a good remaining in Christ verse up there, 2 Corinthians 4. I hope you, you occasionally look at these verses we put up on that. You know, nothing's accidental here. We, there is a method in our madness. But here's a good remaining verse. So we are not giving up. God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. 
Now, you can't enter the kingdom of God without being born again, without that, making that first step. You can't remain somewhere if you've never been there in the first place. But part of this journey is remembering that there are lots of different ways to enter through Jesus. But what's more important is how we remain and how we finish off our journey. And some of us have had quick entries into the kingdom of God. Some of us have had meandering entries into the kingdom of God. We heard four testimonies only a month or two ago at our baptismal Sunday that were all very different. Different starting points, all coming in through Jesus into the kingdom of God. And while baptism is exciting, we're saying that day, actually what's even more important is abiding, remaining, staying, finishing the journey. And that's what we're talking about today. And so I just want to talk quickly about three aspects of Remaining. The first is the challenge of remaining. The challenge of remaining. Where Jesus says here, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Jesus pictures himself as the true vine. The only acceptable way for us to be fruitful is to remain connected to the true vine. And that's a life principle for believers. That we might think that of all the worldly ways where we can divine success, the only way that God looks down at us in terms of success is have we remained connected to Jesus. And that's the most important thing. In the Old Testament, grapes symbolized Israel's fruitfulness in doing the work of God. God is the, is the gardener. Literally here, God is the farmer. If Jesus was walking in the Vale of Glamorgan today, he would be an animal welfare assistant at the Amelia Trust. He'd only be an assistant because Hannah would be the, the, the key one. And Jesus talks here about pruning the removal of dead wood and the trimming of live wood so that fruit bearing can be improved. And some of us know those seasons in life where it felt like God has been pruning us, where he's been cutting away some of the dead wood so that we can be refreshed and re-strengthened and, and continue to be fruitful. An untrimmed vine will develop long rambling branches that, and all the energy is taken in the branches and nothing in the fruitfulness. And the picture here is of the divine creator dealing with us as a gardener tends his vine so that we can be healthy and productive for the kingdom of God. And Jesus says you want to be fruitful, you want to make the most of that Zoe life, of the eternal life that I've implanted in you, well stay in me, stay connected to the vine. It's so simple Yet sometimes it's so challenging. So the challenge of remaining. Next thing I want to talk about is the cost of not remaining. Those last verses there. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The cost of not remaining. 
You know, God does remove the dead wood from his church and God does discipline our lives so that we can become more fruitful. Jesus, it's as if he's saying, there's no place in my life for fruitless believers. Now listen to this, our job isn't to be fruitful. Our job is to remain. If we take care of the remaining, God will take care of the fruitfulness through us. So many of us want to jump over the remaining bit and want to be fruitful without realizing that the key thing is is remaining in that intimate place with Jesus. Jesus here talks about remaining in his love. When he's talking about fruit, what does he mean? Well, I think he means two things. I think he means fruit inside us, a life that begins to be more and more like Jesus. So we develop the fruit of the Spirit and our character and our language and our nature and our actions are more and more like Jesus each year. But he's also meaning external fruit into the lives of others. And so we become useful for the kingdom of God. What's the danger here? The danger of becoming detached from Jesus. Remember, he's, he's speaking into the lives of 12 disciples here who've had three years of life with him and very soon are going to have to face life without him. But he's given them this incredible new dimension to say, actually... You're not going to have to have life without me because if you remain in me, I'll remain in you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But the danger of them being detached is so much that he uses this, this phrase, meno, abide, remain, 12 times. Even the thickest disciples by the end of this might be going, okay, we get the picture, remaining must be pretty important. So there's a massive cost of not remaining in God. It might be an eternal cost for us. At the very least, we miss out on that opportunity for God to be fruitful through us in the kingdom of God. And then thirdly, there's that challenge of remaining, there's the cost of not remaining, there's the rewards of remaining. There are three incredible rewards that Jesus reminds us of if we live the life of a remainer. First one is the confidence in prayer. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Now, when we read those verses, that's the cliche is, oh, so I could ask for a Rolls Royce and I'll get a Rolls Royce. I could ask for a million pounds and I could get a million pounds. I could ask to be, you know, the, the, the minister of the First Assembly and tomorrow I'll be elected. Well, no, because if you remain in Christ, you don't, pray, you don't pray daft prayers like that. You pray prayers that are from the heart of God. But you see that you have a confidence in prayer because you're great at praying? No, because you're praying to God 
and because you're remaining in Jesus and you know that you're linked together and you see answered prayer. It's no coincidence that people who remain in Christ see prayers answered. I'm getting excited about this. So there's one great reward. Tests, trials, temptations, difficulties, disappointments. You need to have an unshakable faith as your foundation. Many of you know Jill and I have got this project in India, this school that we've been supporting and, and, and befriending and, and, and praying for and financing for 15 years or so. And in that journey, we've met a, 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 a loads of the family become really special friends to us. And one young man called Vinod, who is married, uh, he and his wife are doctors. They're living and working in Kuwait at the moment until they hopefully come to the UK. But his, and I think I told this story somewhere recently, you know, at one of our meetings. It might have been in the prayer meeting, or was it in the Bible study? I can't remember. My mind's going. Anyway, he's got quite political online, and he's been very cr critical of the Indian government in the ways that they've been dealing with the, the lowest caste and the way that they've been marginalizing different religious groups. And he's changed his social media platform to be a follower of some sort of Indian philosopher who was around at the time of uh, Indian uh, independence. And uh, this philosopher was a Hindu, but became a Buddhist. And I was reading all this, and I was going, oh, okay. It's a bit interesting. wonder if he's, he's fallen away from his Christian faith. So I, I, ran, I ran Prasad, who's the, the patriarch of the family. Well, I actually texted him. I said, Prasad, I'm just a little bit concerned about Vinod. Here's what he's saying in his, in his um, social media profile. Can you find out what he's thinking? Is he okay? Has he shifted in his faith? Do we need to chat this through with him, whatever? So Prasad comes straight back to me. Yes, I have forwarded your message to Vinod. And I'm going, no, <laughs> no, don't do that. I wanted to speak to you about it. Oh, no. So about five minutes later, online, hello, brother Nigel from Vinod. This is all by text. I'm going, hello, Vinod. As you can see, I'm a bit concerned about your social media profile. And he said, no, don't worry. He said, he said and he said these words, he said, my faith in Jesus is unshakable. He says, I'm just being a little bit wise online. He said, actually, I'll probably have more influence politically if I, if I talk in terms of political philosophy than I do from a religious background. That's just why I'm putting that on. He says, we go to a Telugu church in, in Kuwait. We, uh, my wife and I were praying together this morning. He says, we listen to all your new life sermons. Every week we listen to you online. I said, and your faith is still unshakable? Wow. Uh, but it, it was... It, so there was me worried that somebody wasn't remaining. And the conversation that I had with him, just to hear those words from him to say, hey, my faith in Jesus is unshakable, rock solid. Praise God, that's what we're talking about. So the consequence of remaining, number one, the confidence in prayer. Number two, God is glorified. When we remain in the right relationship with God and he starts using us for his kingdom, God is glorified. We don't get the glory, God does. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. God's glorified 
and we are witnesses to a God who is alive and at work in this world. Prominent Christian leader in the UK said to me very early on in my Christian journey as a leader, he said, there's no end to what you can accomplish for the kingdom of God if you're prepared not to get the glory for it. If you go around living that everything's got to be about you and you want the pat on the back and you want the affirmation and everything's about you, he said, you'll struggle. But if you're prepared to serve and let God have the glory, there's no limit to what he could do through a life like that. And that's sometimes why the journey of discipleship, sometimes the journey of remaining in Christ, seems like it's a downward journey of self-denial rather than upward journey of promotion and, and, and achievement. That's why those words from John the Baptist earlier in John's Gospel are the words of a remainer. He must increase and I must decrease. The more we participate in God's kingdom, the more we remain in Christ, the more of our own selfish aspirations and life ambitions get the elbow, and the more we live a life that glorifies God. Most powerful machine in the world, if it's connected from its power source, it is useful. It's useless, rather. Support that. You've all tried to boil a kettle and you realise you haven't got the right plug in. Yeah? You've, we've all done that. We've all turned a TV or a radio on and it's, not, and it's as simple as occasionally on a Sunday morning where, we, where we're setting up here. Those of you that come in at about 10 to 11, 5 to 11, there's a whole new world that goes on in here from about 10 to 10 every, every week. And one of the things that quite often happens is Dave and, and, and Richard will plug everything in and they'll press and nothing happens. And we've blown the power source and we have to go out there and there's a cupboard and we have to put the fuses back on and then suddenly everything comes back to life again. We can look the part, but if we're not connected and remaining in God's presence and power, we won't do what he's created us to do or we won't be the people that God has designed us to be. And the third positive consequence, the first one was prayer, the second one was God's, God's glory. The third one is we overflow with God's love and God's joy. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Some people ask, why, why, why do I not feel that God's loving me? Why do I not feel that overflow of joy that the Holy Spirit should give me? Well, nine times out of ten, it's because you've distanced yourself. God hasn't shifted his perspective on you, but you've come out of that abiding or remaining in Christ. It's this sort of mutual understanding of remaining. The Holy Spirit will remain in us, we will remain in Jesus, and we will sense God's love tangibly in our life. We will sen sense God's joy 
Sometimes in the most overwhelmingly difficult circumstances, we will still feel that we're loved and we will still sense that abiding joy that only comes from God. We're going to take communion uh, in a moment or two, but we've just got about time to do this. I want you to think of completing the phrase, remain. And let's add another word. Uh, uh, I'm going to put the board up here. Another word in front of, uh, behind it to uh, just solidify some of the things that we've been talking about. Here's one I prepared earlier. So we won't use this one, but I'm thinking, let's say, remain positive. So let me give some other ones. Anybody think of one? Remain loving. That's a good one. Remain loving. Yep. Remain, sorry? Forgiving. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, because uh, (laughs) you start losing those two and they start pushing you away from God. Remain faithful. Great. Yep. Any more? Remain thankful. Yeah, brilliant. Great one. Good. Remain open. Okay. Open to the things of God. Open to other. Yeah. Hopeful. Hopeful. Yeah, good one. Yeah. I'll put that one up there. Just put more space. Couple more. Anybody else? Compassionate. Yeah, good one. Prayerful. This man's on a roll. Truthful. Yeah, good one. Brilliant. We run out of space because that's... uh, Well done. It's not a bad little exercise, is it, actually, to write those things down. That's what a, a, a life that's remaining in Christ is going to show all of those traits and more, probably. And so there's that blend today of that spiritual input, but also, well, how do we practically outwork that? 